How many of you have ever gone to an amusement park and got on a roller coaster ride and then screamed your head off? <laughs> so here's here here if you're wondering about Matthew, Matthew just got saved a few weeks ago, so he doesn't know he 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 doesn't know that after you've been saved for a while, you're supposed to get all hunkered down. And I, and I hope he never learns that either. So here's, here's the thing is we, we go to an amusement park, we get on a roller coaster, and then we scream about the ride when we got on it of our own free will. I'm telling you, that there are some things that are going to come to pass in this world. I have freely given my heart to God, and I'm not going to start screaming about the ride now. I'm going to trust him. You know what? So uh, my granddaughter, Vivian, I, I took all the, all the grandkids went through this. When I wish there was a baby in here. Can I borrow the baby? So I don't know what she's going to do. Is she going to like me or not? But what I do with all my babies is I would take them and then I would turn them and I would start swinging them through the air. And I would say, she flies through the air with the greatest of ease. The little young girl on the flying trapeze. So you can come and get her now. I think she needs to be changed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> So I, I would do this, and every one, every one of my grandchildren had a different reaction to that. So like Landon, when I did that with Landon, Landon used to get a death grip on my arm, and he didn't like it. You know, well, I mean, he liked it, but it was like, you know, hanging on, you know. And, and uh, then Shaylee, when it was her turn, I would do her like that, and I had to watch her because Shaylee would throw herself back. Yeah, she didn't care. I mean, it was like she nearly threw herself out of my arms a couple of times, and it was like, Pawpaw's got a hold of me. I ain't worried about a thing, and everything's going to be all right, and she, she was just enjoying the ride. Vivian has become a mix of both of them. Because Vivian, I've, I've done that with her before, and, and the times that I said, do you want to fly? And she'd, she'd come up to me, you know, and she yeah, yeah, and I'd, I'd start taking her, and she went through that time where she was going, wee, you know, and then, and then after, and I don't know what happened, but then a few times I went to pick her up, I said, let's fly, and she'd go, no, 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 no. <laughs> so there seems to be like there are seasons in our life when we have a completely abandoned ourselves to God and we're trusting him and there are seasons in our life where we get really apprehensive and we if we're not careful we begin to walk in fear and God doesn't want that so what I want to talk to you about for a little while this morning is on this topic and it, let me get this thing turned around if it'll there we go I'd like to talk to you on this topic. Say it with me. I'm in over my head. Have you ever been there before where you got into something over your head? And then you thought, man, I can't, I, you know, I don't know what to, to do here. I'm in over my head. Sometimes maybe it, it may have been an issue in life. You may have gotten, you know, on a, a substance or something got a hold of you and you got in over your head and you didn't intend it. It was never going to start out that way. You felt like you, you had control of it, but then you just got in over your head. Sometimes it's a project. Like, you know, if you get in the middle of a plumbing project and then, you know, I, I, I was downstairs crawling around and it, it takes one thing you know it's one thing to make up your mind that you're going to do it and it's another to actually do it <laughs> and so I'm down there and in my house man you you know you have to pull yourself through underneath it's it's built in 1870 and a lot of things can accumulate under that house in 130 years it's longer than that now isn't it 
How long is that? That's 160 years, isn't it? 150. Thank you. 150 years. If you need a loan, see him. <laughs> 100, 150 years. So, it, you know, just the idea of getting down there, you know, and then the, the, what always would get me when I got involved in a project is I would get down there, I would start something, and then I wouldn't have the right tool for it. And I'm thinking, man, are you kidding me? And, you know, I, I think, oh, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a piece of cake and all this until you get down there and you look at a piece of black pipe. And if you don't understand the term black pipe, it's that stuff that won't cut, that won't, I'm, I'm telling you, it's like cast iron. Matter of fact, I think it is cast iron. And, and, it's, and I got down there, and I thought, well, I'll just cut. The, you ain't just going to cut it. And then, you know, I think I hit it. Do you ever try and swing a hammer when you got about this much space? <laughs> you know, it ain't working. It's just not happening. And, and finally, you have to surrender to the fact I am way in over my head. I need to go find somebody that's got some tools that is set up to do this because I just can't do it this way. I shared before about a Nova I had, and that Nova, man, was a sharp-looking Nova. We got it, I got it painted in high school. It, was, it had flames all down the front of it. I'm telling you, it was the hottest car in town, and it ran like a dog. It, I'd get to a stop sign. This is a true story. I'd get to a stop sign, and I'd, I'd get ready to go. Well, I had, I'd have to feed it gas with the accelerator I'd have to start kind of pumping it or it would die it just up and die and so I'd, I'd start to pump it you know once I got to the stop sign and then taking off well inevitably I'd end up squalling my tires and somebody sitting next to me was going and I thought yeah if you only knew and so I took that car and I had to get the plugs changed in it and I thought well that's a simple enough job you know changing spark plugs but they made this one plug in a place where I could not get to it. And I thought, man, there's got to be a special tool or something, you know, to get to this plug. I ended up going to a garage, and I got to the garage, and the guy had just the tool, an air chisel. He had to cut a hole through my wheel well to slide a wrench up in that. And I'm thinking, come on, you can't make me believe that the Chevy dealership, or I mean that the Chevy company made this car with the intention for you to have to cut through the wheel well so you could change a spark plug. But that's the only way we could get it done, and I didn't have those tools. Everybody say, over my head. So I had an uncle several years ago. They used to wrestle bears. I don't know if you're aware of that, but they, they'd travel around. My uncle went to a carnival, and if you could go inside a cage and you could wrestle that bear and pin it for three seconds, you'd win $100. $100. So he thought, well, man, three seconds isn't long. I'm going to go in. He went into that cage with that bear. That bear was muzzled, and it was declawed or had, you know, it was set up where it couldn't claw you. And he said, man, he said, I'm telling you, the happiest day of my life was when they opened that cage and let me out. He said, that thing slapped me around like I was a rag doll. He could not stand up to that bear. Everybody say he was in over his head. Now, I want to read a scripture to you out of Ezekiel. And I want you to get this. I want you to listen closely to it because Ezekiel is, is seeing a vision. He's caught away and there's something that God communicates to him that he writes down and he wants to get it to us. This is Ezekiel 47 verses 1 and 3. Now, he brought me back to the entrance to the temple I saw water pouring out from under the temple porch to the east, and the temple faced east. The water poured from the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then took me out through the north gate and led me around to the outside gate complex on the east. The water was gushing from under the south front of the temple, and he walked to the east with a measuring tape and measured. He measured off 1,500 feet leading me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another 1,500 feet, leading me through water that was knee deep. 
He measured off another 1,500 feet, leading me through water waist deep. And he measured off another 1,500 feet, and by now it was a river over my head, water to swim in, water no one could possibly walk through. You say, well, pastor, what's that got to us? Well, to do with us, the Old Testament is written in a unique fashion with types and shadows. And so the water starts coming out from under the temple door. Everybody say the door. Now, if you look in the New Testament, you discover something. Jesus is the door. In the book of John, the 10th chapter, and verses, starting with verse 1, it says, Most assuredly, this is Jesus speaking, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter through the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Everybody say the door. You know, it's an amazing thing, but if you look throughout the world today, you, you find all types of religions and, and people talking about religions, and nobody really gets upset until you mention the name of Jesus. And when you mention the name of Jesus, buddy, it is on. They, 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 I mean, people come apart, and I thought, why do people get so mad and angry when they hear that name? Because the devil knows that he's the door. And that the only way you can get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how morally perfect you are. You're not going to get there. I had a friend that I went to visit up in Chicago, and I told him, I, I, I was talking to him about Jesus, and he looked at me, and he said, Rick, he said, look, I'm a good guy. I treat people right. I always try to do what's right, you know, and, and, and be kind to people. And I looked at him, I said, Greg, I know you're a good guy, but if your goodness could save you, Jesus wouldn't have had to go to Calvary. Your goodness is not enough to get you saved, and your wickedness is not enough to keep you out of heaven if you make up your mind that you're going to go through the door. Somebody turn around and say, give me Jesus. Oh, come on, say it again. Give me Jesus. I'm telling you that there's something powerful about his name, and it's not because it's magical or mystical. It's because God himself chose that name. Everybody say it with me, the name. You remember that old commercial, Zenith? What was the tagline in Zenith? The quality goes in before the name goes on. I had a Rolex watch one time. Bought it in Mexico for 20 bucks. Went to California preaching a camp meeting. This is a true story. Went to California preaching a camp meeting. First thing the preacher did that picked me up from the airport is start talking about preachers that wear Rolex watches. I didn't say a word, man. This rocked on all week long. People were spotting my watch. It was the buzz of the camp, and everybody was talking about it. I got up at the last night of that camp, preaching that camp meeting, and I had that watch, and I said, how many of you, I took it off and said, how many of you have noticed my watch? Man, hands shot up all over the place. And I said, for those of you that don't know, my watch says Rolex. I said, but here's what you don't know, or I said, here's the rest of the story, is that this watch I got in Mexico, Mexico for 20 bucks. I said, just because it says it's a Rolex doesn't make it a Rolex. It's what goes into that watch that makes it a Rolex. And then I said, just because you say you're a Christian, don't make you a Christian. It's what goes into you that makes you that Christian. You understand, you don't get to just make up your mind someday that, oh, well, I'm just going to you know, waltz in and give my heart to God. Friend, you can't get in unless you come through the door. And he said, no man can comes to the Father except by me. And we can't come to him unless the Spirit draws us. 
So when the Spirit draws, we need to move. Everybody say move. So as long, and now, now think about this. When you look at the picture that Ezekiel creates, then as long as you're in, as long as you're in the confines of the temple, everybody say the church, the stream is, runs very slowly there. It's just like a trickle from a stream. Everybody says, I go to church. So is the devil. <laughs> he comes every Sunday. <laughs> How many of you know that? How do you know? Because he comes with you. What do you mean? How many of you start on your way to church and all of a sudden you start having trouble before you ever even get here? You wake up in the morning, you've got aches and pains in your body, and the first thought that hits your head is, oh, man, I can't go this morning. I need to sleep in today. I'm wore out. I'm, you, or you, you, you get in the car, and the kids start throwing a fuss. Knock it off back there. Praise God. Get in a tiff with your spouse. Then come in, praise the Lord, everybody. How's the you doing? <laughs> I did, this is a true story. <laughs> Pastor, he's preaching a message, and he gets up, and he, you know, nobody knew that they'd had, he and his wife had had a tiff before they got, it was not Debbie and I. But no, nobody knew that they'd had a tiff before they got to the service, and he, he's getting ready to preach, and he said, Honey, would you read such and such for me? And she said, That's not what you called me a few minutes ago in the car. Everybody say busted. <laughs> you see, if, if we're not careful, what happens is, is we begin to try and keep this stuff in a quarantined environment. How many of you have been quarantined? You, know, you don't have to raise your hand, but you know what I'm talking about. My dad used to quarantine me. Go get in your room. Don't you come out. And, look, I didn't come out, man. I don't care if Christmas came and went. I wasn't coming out until he told me I'd come out. Once in a while, I'd stick my head out. Can I come out now? No. I hadn't eaten in three days. Can I come? No, I'm kidding. But so we, what happens is we get in a concealed environment. Think about this. Be honest with you. How many times do we get in a concealed environment? You know, we're in the temple and we got the stream going on and we're, <laughs> I feel so good. Praise God, everybody. Oh, hallelujah. You know, how, you know and, and everything's going on. And then when we come out of this environment, we don't say a word about God. He's not in our vocabulary. He's not in our thoughts. He's not in our, on our mind. And here's how this works. He said, when you're in the temple, there's a little bit of a stream going. But when you come through that door, because it was coming out from under that door, when you come through that door and you start following that stream, the longer you follow the stream, the deeper it gets. He went from ankle deep to knee deep, to waist deep until he was in over his head. Somebody say it with me, over my head. Jesus said it this way in John 4 and 13. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I will give will never thirst the water I give will be an artesian well springing up into fountains of endless life. Everybody say, let it flow. God wants to flow through us. He, he, wants, to, he wants this to be more than a trickle. He wants us to get out of the kitty end of the pool and get into some water that we can swim in. But we, we fight this thing and we want control. Everybody say, I want control. I thought about how we struggle for control. When the Scripture talks about the move of the Spirit or the flow of the Spirit in Acts, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like what? As a rushing, mighty wind. Who's describing this? Luke, 
Luke wrote the book of Acts. So he describes this as a rushing, everybody say it with me, rushing mighty. But he, he depicts it as a wind. He said, it's like a rushing mighty wind and it came in. But now watch what happens because when Jesus describes it, Jesus describes this before he leaves. He's talking about this day that's going to come. And this is what he says in the seventh chapter of John. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. Everybody say it. He cried out. Man, if somebody screams at your house, does it get your attention? At our house, it all depends on who's doing the screaming. What are you talking about? Because, well, you know, if the grandkids are over, you know, I mean, not now. You know, there's 17 and 15, thank you, and, and two. So, I mean, now when Vivian's screaming, you know, it's because she's wanting to go someplace. Like if she, she makes up her mind, she wants to go someplace, you got her in her, her hand said, let's go inside. She, no, let's go this way. I want to go this way. I want to go this way. And if you go that way, I said, do you want to go that way? She said, okay. I mean, she goes from a panic attack to just calm, cool, and collected. And then she makes you think it was your idea to go. <laughs> She'll go, no, no, this, let's go this way. Let's go this way. I said, you want to go this way? Okay. Like I'm the one that just asked her a question. You know, do you want to go? What my idea was yours. Let's go. I'm telling you that when Jesus cries out in a loud voice, it ought to make you stand up and take notice. Because if he's, if he's got something to say to the point that he's crying out, matter of fact, the other place that I remember him crying out was when he cries out, it is finished. He cries out here, and listen to what he says. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spake concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. He cries out. He sees them going through this routine that they've done. This, they, they did this every year. They would come in. They would do this big. They'd have this big festival, this feast day. And this is the last day of the feast, that great day. And they would go over to a pool and they would draw water out of the pool. And then they would dance and they would take it back. And it was supposed to be symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus sees it and he's thinking about the emptiness that is going on here. And so he cries out and says, if, if any of you thirst, come to me and get a drink. Quit going through these empty rituals. Look, just going to church isn't going to change your life. You got to wade out into some deep water. You got to make up your mind that I'm not just going to hang out on the kitty end of the pool. I'm going deeper. I'm saying, here I am, God, use me. Here I am. There are folk, look, Paul is writing to a group of people, and he tells them, he said, look, he said, you're old. Can I put it in plain English? He writes to them, and he says, you're old enough that I ought to be giving you meat, but I still have to give you milk because you're not getting any, any deeper. How many of you learned to swim in water that was four inches deep? Try to do the backstroke in that and see how far you get. How many of you used to get in the bathtub and act like you're swimming? Oh, you got the moves right, but you ain't going no place. If you're going to move forward, if you're going to find relationship, if you're going to get what you really want from God, you've got to get in the deep end of the pool. Jesus looked at Peter and he told them, launch out into the deep. Go out deeper than you are right now. Peter looked at him and said, we've fished all night. What's he saying? He's saying, look, I've tried this. I've done it all. I'm a fisherman. I've tried this all night long, and I haven't caught anything. Nevertheless, at your word. When's the last time we made up our mind that we were going to follow after his word instead of our own word? After what he wanted instead of what we wanted, and then hang on to him. 
Everybody say it's about control. I thought about how when Jesus told the disciples to launch out into the deep, we, we hesitate for fear we lose control. Throw that picture up of that game. How many of you recognize that game? Have you ever seen that game before? I used to have that game. I got it for Christmas. It's called Wrestle Around. Take a good look at it. There are four grips on that game where you would grab hold of. There were four colored marbles. Those marbles would go in the center, and then you see how it's kind of got like that, that stand underneath it? You would take this part of this game, and you would set it on a table. And it was supposed to be stationary on that table, and then you would begin to wrestle around trying to keep control of your marble. Let me tell you something. I played that with my older brothers and sisters. You get a hold of that, man. My brother's six years older than I am. I was a little guy when I had that. You start, we're, we, what we were actually doing is wrestling for control. We all wanted control. But the truth is, is when everybody wants control, you lose control completely. We, we played that game. Every, we had that thing on that table wrestling around. After a while, we left the table. Uh, that game wasn't on that table anymore. It's up in the air, yanking and carrying it. You know? I thought, man, you get somebody on there real big, they'll break your wrist with that thing. And so they don't sell it anymore. Yeah. There's some folks that lost their marbles and didn't even know it. So... It's about control. Can I tell you there hasn't much changed? That we still wrestle for control? That we still want to hold on? Judas would not trust Jesus fully. He couldn't surrender control. He couldn't get to the point where he could just trust what Jesus was doing. He kept trying to figure it out. And then he went from trying to figure it out to trying to take control. And when he did, you see, when, he, when you refuse to surrender control to Jesus, what you end up doing is letting go of Jesus. Because you need to understand he's not going to let anyone control him. I said, he's not going to let anyone control him. Come up here a minute, babe, would you? So, how many of you believe that my wife loves me? I, do. I believe that too. How many of you believe that when we get home, I can tell her anything I want her to do, and she does it like that? Matter of fact, in the early service, if you'd been here, she didn't know I was going to do this. I called her up, and I, she was looking at me, and I said, when you get home, I want you to, man, she cut me an eye that it melt butter. I mean, I'm talking about frozen butter, folks. She, she swung around and looked at me like, because none of us want to relinquish our control. Everybody say, I want to control. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, I just want to ask the question. How many of you have ever gotten into a knockdown drag out over the remote? <laughs> now look, if you're the only one at your house, I'm not, that doesn't count, you know. Give me that! No, I'll take it! <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Not... I lived in the day before there was remote control. I wanted to, how many of you remember, how many of you old enough to remember channels that you used to have to flip? You know what I'm talking about? You grabbed hold of them and you turned them. Boom, boom, boom. And you only had about three or four to choose from. Me and my brother got into it. He was wanting to watch some old horse 
flick, you know, and he was, you know, and he had it on. I don't even remember what it was, but I thought, I'm not watching that. I'll have nightmares, man. You know, and so he's five years older than I am, and and he's flipping it, and I think I'm wanting to watch Kung Fu or something, you know, and and I'm turning it back, and we get into, there's no remote, man. We're in boom, 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 and all of a sudden, it became, ah, you know, and man, he, Paul had long fingernails. He sunk his fingernails in my hand. I had scars for years from that because we were wrestling for control. And then we both lost control because dad got up. You know, I found out it's a lot easier to yield control than to have it taken from you. Judas will not trust Jesus. So what he does is the only way he can assume control is to let go of Jesus, and he ends up losing his soul for 30 pieces of silver. What's it worth to you to get to heaven? What are you willing to give up here to make it over there? What would you sacrifice? What would you do to make it to heaven? You ought to thank God that it's a free gift because if it wasn't, we couldn't afford it, man. There's no way we could get there. But do you understand all we've got to do to get there is to surrender? Somebody say it with me, surrender. But it's so hard for us to surrender unless... Honey, I love you. I mean, I really, really love you. I really love you too. I'd do anything for you. You know that, don't you? Now I'm going to have lipstick on the side of my head. (laughs) (laughs) What are you getting at? It's not hard to surrender when you fall in love. Everybody say, I'm in love. Oh, some of you have been in love so many times, you, don't, you know what I'm talking about. You fall in love with some guy on television or some girl on television that spends three hours getting themselves to look like that. And then after the program's over and they get out of their inflatable suit. We, we fall in love with fictional characters. Man, I love Thor. How about that Wonder Woman? Fictional characters that aren't real. Thor cannot swing a hammer and get lightning. Wonder Woman can't jump over buildings but we focus our attention and we put all of our emotion and our affection on things that aren't even real and in the midst of all that there's someone that came and took on hell and defeated it and walked away with the keys of death hell and the grave and he stands as a hero in history as to those that whosoever will they can come my friend I fell in love with him and when you fall in love you follow. Say it with me. I'm going to follow. You know, I thought about when Jacob, you know, Jacob, man, has had a rough life. His whole, you know, it's, I mean, he, he's stealing from his brother. He's deceiving his dad. He gets ripped off by his uncle. And that's on a good day. Everything goes bad for him. And he finally comes face to face with the fella in the mirror. He's on his way back home and he gets in a wrestling match with the angel of God he's hurting he's struggling but he won't let go 
Can I tell you, your miracle comes when you refuse to let go. When you refuse to give up. That angel has pulled out the sinew of his thigh. He's buckled over. He's in pain. He's short of breath. And the, and he went, and the angel said, let me go. And he said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And then it happens. He comes face to face with himself. The angel said, what's your name? Man, it's hard for us to confess where we've been, isn't it? It's hard for us to confess what we've gone through, what we've been through, all the mess of our past. All, But do you understand, he's not trying to drag up your past so he can wave it in front of you. He's trying to get you to confess your past so he can forgive it, so he can change it, so he can give you a new future. And Jacob swallows hard and he props himself and he says, my name is Jacob. Do you understand what he was saying? He said, I'm a deceiver. I'm a, I've been a liar. I've cheated. I've done all this stuff and all of a sudden it happens he gets into some deep water and the angel says no that's not your name anymore your name is Israel for as a prince you have power with God and with men and you've prevailed it's when he surrendered when he got in over his head it's when he got his victory we don't mind coming to church if we can get the right contacts. We don't mind coming to church as long as it don't last more than. I know y'all got a lot of courage coming to the second service because you don't know when it ends. <laughs> Everybody knows in the first service, well, all we got to do is endure for an hour. Second service, we'll have to be there for a while. But when you get hungry enough that you're not looking at the clock anymore, hungry enough that you're not looking at your circumstance anymore, hungry enough that the only thing you're focused on is him, you'll find yourself in water that's coming over your head. But somehow... You're staying afloat. Everybody say, I want in over my head. Say it one more time. I want in over my head. Would you stand with me? Several years ago at Crab Orchard Lake, there was a family that went down there and they went to swim and there were four, there were, there were five kids and mom and dad took him down there and they were swimming the youngest the little boy was out in that water man just kicking and splashing and having a big time because he was you know I, he, he never got really more than waist deep maybe chest deep at a couple times but he's just splashing and then all of a sudden his dad came and got him picked him up and started walking him out into the deep he set him up on top of a rock and that little boy knew he was in over his head because the water was like up to here on his dad and his dad was a lot taller than he was and then his dad just left him on the rock and started walking away and got a little apprehensive but then his father turned and he stretched out his arms and he said jump to me that boy looked at him and said daddy said I I can't this water's over my head I, I I can't he said jump to me it'll be all right he said but dad I'm I'm afraid that water's over my head and his father looked at him and he said do you trust me I'm going to catch you jump to me and without a moment's hesitation a little boy jumped as far as he could toward his father's arms because he trusted his father and when he jumped he went under the water, man. <laughs> Just, you know, and started fighting and got frantic and started to fear. And all of a sudden, he felt two big hands come and lift him to the top of that water. And his daddy looked at him and said, start kicking your feet because today you're going to learn how to swim.
And I did. I learned how to swim that day. See, all my fear was gone because I knew the hands holding me was bigger than the threat around me. And he took me into deep water. Ever since that day, I love deep water. Matter of fact, every once in a while, I'll grab a snorkeling device so I can do some exploring in the deep. I've gone before and gotten scuba gear, brought it out and put it on so I could go down further in the deep. You're never going to know what God has prepared for you if we keep waiting in the kitty end of the pool. If we keep trying to stay in control of our situation and our circumstances and, well, you don't understand what happened to me once upon a time. He does. And he will not let you go under. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do today. I'm going to ask you to make up your mind that you're done living in the shallow end of the pool. That the days of you waiting around are over. And starting today, you're going to launch out into the deep. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're here and you don't know him, or you may know him and have gotten cold and indifferent, I mean, think about it. You don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many times have we gone from on fire to God to kind of drifting away from God? Circumstances, situations will lead you to that place. You need to thank God that there's, that Jesus is always reaching out his hand, trying to pull us back in. Otherwise, I would have been lost a long time ago. So if you're here and you say, Pastor, I want that kind of a relationship with him. I want to know him in a deeper measure than I know him now. I need to get things right between me and God. I want you to come right now. I'm not going to ask anybody to bow their head or close their eyes because my philosophy is if you can't come up here when there are people that love you and care about you, how are you going to live for them out there? So this is about saying, God, here I am. Here I am. You see, once the scripture said this, the scripture said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Everybody say, just taste. You know, Matthew, and Heather remind me a little bit of when I got saved, I was in the altar every week. I know people thought, man, can't that guy stay saved? What they didn't know was the reason I was in the altar every week is because I wanted more. I wanted more. It's kind of like, you know, if you ever go through a buffet and they don't have those anymore. <laughs> but when you used to go through a buffet, I'm thinking, I'm not paying for a buffet and making one trip. If I'm going to make, pay for a buffet, I'm going after it. Listen to me, there was one guy in Texas, true story, one guy in Texas, they had a seafood buffet. He came in there like two or three times and they watched everything he ate. The next time he came in, they met him at the door and handed him $20. That was the cost of that buffet. He said, you're gonna have to go someplace else and eat. We can't afford you around here. It's a true story. Wouldn't it be something if God said, here they come again. Here they come again, they're so hungry, but it's okay, because I got plenty, I got plenty. You can have your fill. Are you ready for it? 
I want you to stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. Look, if you're in this place and you want that, you want this is what I want you to do. Just, mm. I want you to step out from where you're at. You don't have to come to the front, but if you would just take a step out in an action of faith toward God. Just take a step. It can be sideways or whatever, but just symbolize that I'm moving to him. I'm coming closer to him. What Ezekiel saw was a progression. If you will, what Ezekiel's looking at is a progression of relationship that we can have. He can, it was coming from the door, but what was coming from the door had been generated inside. And it started flowing, and the longer he walked in the stream, the deeper it got. I know people that have spent their entire life in ankle-deep water. When I got saved, it had to be more than that for me. There's a reality to God that we haven't seen yet, but we're getting ready to. They let us again. If you would. She you stretch your hands to heaven right now, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I come to you now, and I'm hungry for more of you. Today, I'm willing to surrender control so you can take control. I want less of me and more of you. I'm asking you right now, in the name of Jesus, to fill me up. Come on and give my hand clap of praise in this. Mercy is falling, falling. Thank you, Jesus. Lift up your hands, receive it now. Here in the presence of the out of here. Come here just a second, would you? Tell, tell me your name again. I forgot it. Eric, you just stretch your hands to heaven. You know, sometimes we get to a place where we're hungry for God, but man, it's so hard to try and get in that deep end of the pool. I don't know if you ever went swimming before, but there'd be lifeguards. Isaac, you know, I was younger and I knew how to swim, but I go to try to get in the deep end of the pool, and somebody be blowing a whistle telling me to get back. And I'm thinking, I can, I can go here. I, I can do this. And there'll always be someone, Eric, telling you you can't. There'll always be someone trying to keep you in the shallow end of the pool. But you don't have to listen to that. <laughs> he said, you can. <laughs> 
He said, whosoever will, let him come. So as you stretch those hands, I just want you to say this with me. I'm coming right now, God. I'm coming right now to the deep end. Father, I thank you for Eric today. And I just ask you, Lord. in your mind and in your heart that not only am I going to the deep end of the pool, I'm taking somebody with me. <laughs> I'm taking somebody with me. How many of you are ready to get somebody and take them? You know, kids around the pool, you know what ends up happening? Everybody gets wet. Kids in the neighborhood would come over and they'd say, we'd be playing water balloons, and they'd say, Mama said we can't get wet. You all stay home if you can't get wet. <laughs> I'm telling you, you get around it, you're going to get wet. Aren't you glad that he's bringing us to deeper water? Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise. God bless you today. You greet one another, share what God's given you with somebody, and let them take it with them. Amen. <laughs>